Ultra. Welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Two Towers, One Friend of Aragorn at a Time. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. I'm Norman Mitchell. And joining us again today, we have Doug Greenberg from Rocky Minute. Hello. You hear that silence? That's what we're seeing in the movie right now. Silence. <laughs> I was like, but, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> did, it, did we lose him? Yeah, oh, I was Jesus. Just, I was giving the listeners a taste of what we're witnessing right now in the movie, but... <laughs> Sorry about that. Just tense silence. <laughs> but <laughs> thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so today we're gonna be <laughs> we're gonna be talking about minute one sixty eight, which starts with um, the continuation of that wide shot of the Urkai army, and ends with some uh, some uh, grim grim dudes hanging out on a parapet. <laughs> yep. There's there's music everywhere throughout the trilogy, and like this this mm-hmm. as if this moment isn't tense enough, just just letting the silence hang there. The silence is palpable. Yes. It, yeah, anytime there's silence in a movie, it's so noticeable. Even mm-hmm. though most of the time you're not even really conscious of the score mm-hmm. when you're just enjoying a movie, but every time it stops, you know immediately. Absolutely, this is no different. It's like oh, something's about to happen. What is about to happen? And the longer that silence holds, the worse the tension gets. That's kind of why, like, I'm not really into horror movies or thrillers, but I kind of want to see A Quiet Place, but I already know it's going to stress me out. I can't. I know I, know <laughs> I can't see that movie. Because that movie has no score. I'm yeah, pretty it's... sure. And I'm, like, super curious about it. I saw that. I know it... I can't do it because I I hate silence. What, silence did, you, is... what did you think yeah. of it? It's, um... It dragged out a little bit because I guess I don't, mm. maybe we just become so used to seeing movie with scores. I liked it. It was yeah. a good movie, a good like premise and everything, but the silence was a little distracting. Oh, okay. It, it, as weird as that sounds, how si- how can silence be distracting? But yeah, maybe I don't know. Maybe I just have attention span issues. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think because we are so used to having like especially now either like background noise or like when we're watching a movie, there's like score happening constantly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or if there's not score, there's enough noise in the scene that it doesn't feel strange. Yeah. Like there's usually not a lot of score in like cafeteria scenes in high school movies. It's just the, the people and the silverware. Right. But there's like, but there's still so much noise um, that you don't, when you're, you when, don't you're miss it. when the premise of your movie is like, we have to be as quiet as possible. Like, Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely something that hasn't but been done before. The, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really we got a lot of really interesting horror movies by premise that I still haven't seen because I like horror movies and Cassandra doesn't. Right? You can. I'll miss that. You can. But I know <laughs> the quiet place will get me. to me because I hate silence. Yeah. Like I can't sleep without a fan. Oh really? Because the silence drives me nuts. Hmm. I spent I spent an, a couple nights on a lake house many years ago, and it was totally quiet where I was. You couldn't See, even that's, that you couldn't even scary. hear the water lapping against the shore because nature like nature has an inherent noise 
to yeah. it. Like, there's always stuff happening. It was just dead quiet. That is that is horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> That's some monster movie stuff right there. But, like, I love horror movies, and I still haven't seen Get Out. Tis the season, man. Which is like a suspense movie, I guess. Not really oh, like yeah. a horror movie, but... Yeah, that's right. Halloween's coming up. There's a fine line between those two things. There's a a very fine line between a suspense thriller and a horror movie. Those lines are very blurry in places. I think horror movies now, they they go for like more cheap scares than than smart, smart thrills, you know? I don't know. Mm. Like the jump scares. Yeah. That thing where they... Jump scares don't do anything for me. Or when, when the thing moves really fast. The, the thing you're supposed to be scared of it like yeah, yeah. I, I don't i don't even know what that's called i'm sure there's a technical term for it but um those scare the crap out of me by the way so i guess they're doing their their job <laughs> well like in uh in like the ring or something where the little girl moves super fast yes or the grudge the yeah. grudge the grudges yeah screw that dude but it's like herky jerky it's it's not like smooth movements if you've ever seen the original the original the grudge i can't remember what the japanese title of the movie is but no. it's super spooky. Dude, Japanese horror movies are on another level. Like, I don't even mess with, oh, like, they American sure are. horror movies. Was it the, uh, the original... So, uh, Pulse was a horror movie that was made in the U.S. about, like, people getting absorbed by the internet or something. I can't even remember exactly what? What, how that movie was put together. It's like, people die and then their spirit persists, like, in the internet and they can still they still are, like, communicating with their friends and stuff. But hmm. the original Japanese movie is called uh, Cairo. And it is super spooky, where the American one is just all chump scares. Like, the Japanese one is this very slow, quiet movie where the population of Japan just slowly gets smaller and smaller across the movie until there's only the two main characters left. What? Wow. I don't want that. <laughs> and, like, you see someone, it does It does not cut away in the movie, you see someone jump off a building and hit the ground. Oh, my oh God. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, dude, Japanese horror movies. They don't mess around. Yeah. No. No. Uh, Suicide Circle is also really good, as far as a Japanese horror movie is concerned. Oh, my God. And it's about, like, the... It's kind of about the dangers of, like, fandom and just following your idols blindly, because it's wrapped up in, like, this girl idol group as part of the plot of the movie. Oh, is it, like, a mm. cult kind of thing? Yeah. And then there's this weird David Bowie impersonator with a full musical number named Genesis in the middle of the movie. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Japan. But <laughs> I had to watch, I watched so many Japanese horror movies for a, a Japanese pop culture class I took in college, and it was the best thing about that class, because the professor was terrible. <laughs> They uh, a, a few of those America hasn't ripped off, right? It seems like American filmmakers just love taking the Japanese ideas and uh, tinkering yeah. with it. There's a handful of uh, there's a handful of American directors that have just full on bought the rights to Japanese horror movies and Japanese anime movies specifically to because they wanted to recreate scenes one to one from them mm-hmm. and use them in their movie. Wow, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So they just bought the distribution rights so they can do that. Man, we are so far off topic. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's my bad. <laughs> I know a lot about random horror movies, especially Whatever. Japanese horror Our movies. Our listeners at this point know what they're getting into. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so right. you, you just like shoved me off into a tangent about something that I really enjoy, <laughs> yeah. which is horror movies. <laughs> so silence. Huh? Yeah. 
It's a silence. <laughs> um, and not the crappy aliens from Doctor Who. No, screw those. Uh, well, you but... hear, like, in the distance is, like, the marching. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, mean, I really... Place. And the marching is so discordant. It's not in time. It's all just mm-hmm. sloppy, just raw, just people just stomping around in a studio somewhere to make the noise. Yeah. And we, <laughs> the close-up from the side of the army, when you're just watching the movie and not really paying close attention you might not realize that every orc you're looking at is digital in that shot. Wow, that's really cool. I didn't notice. <laughs> no, wow. Yep. It's only like the, the close-ups from the front of the line and the close-ups on faces that yeah. are like real uruk shots in this minute. Nice. And the guy standing up on the rock that blows the horn and then gets everyone to stop. Right. It's actually in this minute that we see Thaden in the back with his leg up on the parapet. It's not last minute, it's this minute. I don't know if I don't know if our lead orc or has a name. I don't think he does. They don't name him in the commentary. I don't think he has one. Was there's one not there's not a named orc bad guy um, in this movie. Alerts. Uh, yeah, alerts yeah. is the bad guy from Fellowship. And then he's the only one with the name. I'm trying to remember the name of the tumor-faced orc in Return of the King, but it's escaping me right now. Oh, yeah. can't remember was, his name right now. That was a weird... But he has kinda, a name, too. It's a weird kind of introduction to a character, because you could tell he's like a high-ranking um, battlefield like uh, commander. But... but he has like one hand that isn't usable and probably can't see out of one of his eyes, and <laughs> all the orcs listen to him. Yeah. So it's just we... like, that guy's a badass. <laughs> I guess that's for another like, movie. That's usually right? a good signal. Like, he probably fights dirty. Well, like that's a good signal in a movie, especially like, in a movie with so many soldiers. If there is like a disabled commander, that's a good signal that that guy is not to be trifled with. Mm-hmm. Because if everyone still listens to him and he like can't swing a sword with both hands or use a sword and a shield at the same time, and he still keeps control of this like very tribal strength-based society like that tells you a lot about that guy that's true yeah he's never really thought much about him (laughs) that he has a level of badassness that even the fully functional orcs can't uh, comprehend Mm -hmm. yeah they're just they're just not willing to screw with him it's just like nope we're good that's a while from now (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) i mean we meet him pretty early in return of the king you see him for the first time in one of the first scenes of that movie in osgiliath it's a long time or at least from I think now. It's one of the first scenes. Yes, I know. We still got like fifty <laughs> minutes left in this movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this is the this is the massive engine that they designed for these movies, kind of on full display, and what they were able to get away with with some of the close up uh, shots. The computer program. Yeah, right? the where all the individual orcs, and also the shot where you are looking at the backs of the Rohan army and the elves Mm -hmm. and looking out at the army, no one in that shot is real. They're all CG. That's, you know, we're not that far. We're like very close to the release of Phantom Menace, right? Or uh, was Attack of the Clones around this time? Attack of the Clones, Um, right? Phantom Menace was 99. I think Attack of the Clones came out before this, the summer before this. Yeah, I think Attack of the Clones was 01 or 02. And this movie came out in 02. It just seems like the CG in this trilogy is so much more realistic and believable than in the prequels, the Star Wars prequels. 
Well, part of that is because you're designing for different things, right? You're in this movie, they're trying to make something that looks somewhat realistic, is grounded in reality, has this gritty nature to it. So it's easier to make it look real. When you're making creatures that are inhuman or fantastic ships, it's a lot harder to make them look like they are real things that fit in a space. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I also think that this is just a better use of CG in general because they tried really hard to do practical effects where they can and use CG to enhance those, whereas uh, like George Lucas was just filming in front of a blue screen. So when you're like... I think CG is best used when it's highlighting something that's already... Maybe not already mm-hmm. there, but like it's when it's not noticeable. Like it doesn't call attention to itself. Yeah. And I mean, we're getting better and better at CG. Like the the Alita trailers, there's a lot of Uncanny Valley in that. Oh god, no, I can't watch those. <laughs> I would say like those Planet of the Apes movies. Also, yeah, the Planet of the Apes movies of Andy Serkis. Yeah, like, yeah. The apes look really real in mm-hmm. some shots. Hmm. Like super believable. But I think I do think it's easier to make CGI look real when you're replicating a real thing as opposed to making up as, as put making up something wholesale. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think the gold standard, though, is Jurassic Park and how real the dinosaurs oh, look. Oh, yeah. Yes. And there's so little actual footage of dinosaurs in those movies. People don't realize. The first one. People the first one. <laughs> yeah, people don't realize that there's. I think there's less than 20 minutes of actual footage of dinosaurs in the first Jurassic Park. That movie's so good. I, I still get that tense feeling. I went, I, I went and saw Jurassic Park when it re-released because I never got to see it as a kid because my parents wouldn't let me see it. Oh, <laughs> really? <laughs> Yeah, I was just young enough that my parents didn't want me to go see Jurassic Park in the movie theater. Oh. But when it came out on VHS, they rented it. Yeah, I didn't see that movie till I was 13. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it scared the, the crap out of so many little kids. Oh, it scared the crap out of me. <laughs> the velociraptors are going to get you. Yeah, dude. Clever girl, man. <laughs> Clever girl, man. <laughs> Game over, man. Game over. <laughs> yeah, that... The close-up shot of all those digital orcs, like, actually works. And it goes by fast enough. They're in motion. It doesn't dwell on it. It's just the use of CGI in these shots is really, really well done. Mm -hmm. Peter Jackson had a really good handle on how he wanted to use CGI because originally they were going to blue screen this stuff with the March by. But Peter Jackson was just like, well, then why do we write this new program? (laughs) Why do we make all this if we're not just going to use it? Yeah, let's get our money's worth out of this. Yeah, definitely. But like Cassandra so said, got right it's, in there with the... it's better. Uh, CGI's usage is better when it's like highlighting something instead of like being the whole scene. Yeah. Right. But like sometimes there are a good number of things in this movie in retrospect because CGI has gotten better and we're watching the movie a minute at a time. And sometimes stuff get has to get upscaled and it doesn't survive very well from getting upscaled to HD or to put it on blu-rays that some of the effects don't hold up as well as they used to but i mean that's just gonna happen with all special effects right and it's mostly i think when like it calls attention to itself like some of the golem effects like that can't be helped it's golem like he's one of your main characters right but in a shot like this that happens so quickly and it's like meant for you to just kind of take it all in and then pass over it yeah this week actually ends with a shot that every movie I've ever seen it in, I find kind of cheesy. Which one? With the arrow. 
Oh yeah. But well, we we can talk about that like when we get there yeah. on Friday. We still have a couple minutes, man. But <laughs> for the most part, this all looks really great. I love the the way that this is sort of played against each other with the the organized line and this wave of orcs. The elves are all so stoic, and the men are all so grim. Yeah. And then it starts to rain. I really like the sound design in this. <laughs> that was this one of my notes. Yeah, yeah, that was exactly one of my notes. The guess... um, the the lightning is in stereo, which is really cool. Yeah, and I've never because I've never watched this movie with headphones on. I've never noticed that the lightning passes from one or speaker. Or the thunder, I guess. The thunder passes from one speaker to the other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It actually like moves around the space. And I love the um, the sound that the rain makes against the armor. Yeah, yeah, I love that. It's really good. It kind of, I just love the look Theoden gives the clouds. Yeah. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? <laughs> the, you, you only get like a couple of, like a second maybe of the rain, of uh, like just the rain, and then the music kind of coincides with mm-hmm. it and, and comes in. Like, it's really well done. We get a, we get a nice, slightly pessimistic, but also taking a sh- short jab at Aragorn. Just Gimli being nice. And then just worried about himself. Yeah. <laughs> whatever luck you have, laddie. Yeah, whatever luck you live by, let's hope it lasts the, the night. night. Your friends are with you. Let's hope they last the night. <laughs> <laughs> Always with a quip, that Gimli. Right? Gimli's so great. You could have picked a better spot. <laughs> <laughs> we get it. You're short. <laughs> I know. Poor Gimli. <laughs> Leave but Gimli it never alone. really. But it never really comes up like... Gimli, the character, is, like, disrespecting himself. It's more like... No, the movie is constantly disrespecting Gimli. Yeah, the movie disrespects Gimli, but, like, the character doesn't disrespect himself. It doesn't come off like he's trying to. But the movie doesn't treat him well. No. Yeah. In this moment, he's not wrong, either. (laughs) You could have picked a better spot, because, yeah, he's staring at the back end of a wall. Yeah. Like, you can just barely see, like, he, uh... I think he gives Aragorn a look, and you can kind of see his eyes. But, like, yeah, just pick a gap for him, man. What kind of friend are you, Legolas? (laughs) Pick a better spot on the wall. (laughs) Why is Gimli even on the wall? He doesn't have a bow. He's got to be with his bros. It's true. He's short enough. He's Because the first thing Gimli's going to do is jump down off that wall. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. Like he's gonna know. he's gonna throw his forty throwing axes. I don't know where I don't know why he's here. <laughs> I never thought the axe was like a, you know, like a a really serviceable weapon. Like a sword, you know, you stick it through somebody. There's only one way you can kill somebody with an axe, and that's with a chop. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can swing it side to side, but you can't thrust. That's true. You can only swing an axe. <sighs> yeah. But. I mean, axes are axes exist to fight heavy armor and break shields. That's true. Yeah, that makes sense. That's that that's their sure. use in war, and maces are for just bashing in heavy armor. Yeah. But a sword is much better against a lightly armored foe, for sure. Yeah, I'm. Or if you're good with a sword, anyway, you just find the the joints in the armor and you take advantage of them. Yeah. I know nothing about weaponry, so <laughs> who am I to criticize? 
<laughs> like a like a flanged mace is just for bashing in the helmet of someone wearing heavy armor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can it's see its whole, that. It's the whole purpose of ex- its existence to be like, I don't care about your helmet. I guess it would make sense for dwarves, exclusive, like not exclusively, but like dwarves especially to have axes because they are very heavily armored. So like, they're also a people of industry. Like they were one of the first of the races of Middle Earth to harvest the forest. Oh, I see. So this is a tool, and then oh, we can also use it to kill people. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> But a wood-cutting axe is very different than an axe that is a weapon. Right. A wood-cutting axe is actually considerably heavier. Yeah, I don't really know what Gimli's doing up here because an axe is not a ranged weapon. He has throwing axes. I mean, I guess he could throw, yeah, but, some, okay. throw some axes at the front line. Throwing axes yeah. in, like, D&D, that's, like, what? Max 20 feet? You can you can huck them. Thrown weapons, I think you can huck five range increments. I know that, 50 like, feet. I know that my rogue had throwing daggers, and that could only reach 10 feet. Well, you can throw out a number of range increments. Oh, whatever. So 10 foot's the range increment, and you can throw five. 10 foot's five, like the ideal. You can throw them five range increments for thrown weapons, and then ranged weapons is 10. Like a bow. Gimli's not Keely. He doesn't have a bow. <laughs> yeah. He should have, like, yeah, a he's, secondary he's weapon. He should have a crossbow. Right. I imagine yeah. dwarves oh, have sick. crossbows. Yeah. Now you're talking. Like, they're people of industry. Of course they have crossbows. Well, they, I feel They build like all these pulleys and stuff to do cro- all their mining. Like a crossbow is, like, so dirty. Like, a, it's like a dirty, like, medieval weapon. It's just like, hey, we're gonna he- we're here to, like, murder people. <laughs> well, yeah. I feel like a crossbow is more Saruman's well, aesthetic. You know, the Vatican didn't like crossbows in history. Right, because it kills their knights. Yeah, because a peasant could kill a heavily armored mounted knight. Yeah. With hmm. a crossbow. With very little skill, because crossbows don't arc, they just fire straight. I feel like Saruman would come up with a crossbow. Yeah. Like, the, the cross. I think the crossbow was banned by the Vatican. Because, like, the orcs have, like, trebuchets and stuff. Yeah, they have... Like, more machined weapons. Yeah. But I could totally see dwarves having crossbows because they build such complicated mining equipment. Yeah. That's fair. Maybe they, maybe it got out a lot. <laughs> like, they already work with gears and pulleys. Is it really that hard of a jump for them to be like, why would I waste time stringing a bow? That's for elves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it might be too close to an elf weapon that they're like, nope. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> We are a proud people. We will not sully ourselves with silly elf <laughs> we will, weapons. We will walk up to our foe and hit them in the face with like this Like real axe. men. Like real yeah. dwarves. <laughs> Chop them off at the knee and look them in the eyes. I don't know. Gimli's definitely killed, like... I mean, I know he's killed orcs, but, like, he's definitely killed people. <laughs> <laughs> Come down here and say that. Yeah. Let my axe help you. <laughs> <laughs> Bring your pretty face to my axe. That's right. Well, they, I mean, when you ha- when you have your people that have like that much anger towards other races, then um, yeah, I mean, odds are that you've <laughs> you've dabbled you've dabbled in a little murder. D- dabbled in murder. Just a little. In the Just murderous arts, <laughs> perhaps I have murdered a time or two. <laughs> Did they go to murder school? I'm well versed in the art of murder. <laughs> 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 well versed in the barbaric arts oh my god <laughs> oh man <laughs> are we done here <laughs> dabbled in murder is that the name of the episode <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
exactly. <laughs> oh, uh, man. Yeah, I think we should have uh, murder. Yeah. <laughs> Murder by dragon. That's, that's still the best thing that I've that we've read about oh the dwarven God. stuff. Dwarves. I love dwarves. Anyway, so we are all from the website duelinggenre.com. Oh man, I'm like getting secondary murdered over here. Yeah. Um, getting murdered by small, small like, microscopic things. Yeah, it's the little things. Um, check out, uh, some of the other dueling genre movies by Minute Podcast, including, but not limited to, Rocky Minute. Um, and, yeah. What movie are you guys on? Second one? Yeah, we're, uh, about three weeks away from release of, uh, Minute One from Rocky Two. Oh, nice. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I hope it goes well. Yeah. Know that like, I don't know movie two our movie two has been uh, a little touch and go so <laughs> yeah that's it goes what I'm, for you. yeah I um it's always hard to repeat you know like the uh, as movie sequels tend to do repeat the, uh, the sophomore installment of mm-hmm. of your show as well you know so I hope mm-hmm. uh, yeah I hope we can keep it going keep the momentum up yeah just play like the. I don't know, the stair theme montage or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I work out at the gym See, today. I still can't help but do that yeah. sometimes. I still can't help but do that sometimes when I climb stairs. Da, da, da. <laughs> just every now and then, if I'm in a hurry, I'm always just like in the back of my brain. If I have to run upstairs, I'm just like, yeah, I'm like Rocky the Boat. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's <great>. Anyway, <laughs> we'll be back tomorrow to, uh, I don't know philosophize more about dwarves, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye.